0: Welcome to Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with modern day business leaders who share their stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm William Rowe, founder and CEO of Protein. I've been helping businesses grow for over 20 years, and I've always been fascinated with the people behind these businesses, where they've come from and what drives them forward.
1: You need to have a, it's not like a business plan in the traditional sense, I feel like. You need to have a clear sense of, like, where your revenue is going to come from and, like, just back up every assertion that you're making. Like, you can't just say something for the sake of saying something.
0: For this episode, I sit down with Liv Little, model, editor and founder of Gail Dem, a magazine written by women of colour and non-binary people of colour. She recently won LGBT Broadcaster and Journalist of the Year, and is a leading light within the creative community. This was recorded in our studios in Shoreditch. Liv, welcome to Stories of Growth. Thanks for having me. Very excited to have you here, and uh, here in Shoreditch, in our studios. Mm -hmm. And really, yeah, keen to hear your story. Nice. Um, (laughs) Where from? (laughs) Where should we start? Let's start start at the beginning. Okay. Um, You're from the... You know, your multiple, and I've I, I created a list, and it's a long list of your current projects, things, shall we find yeah. things, pro- activities. Mm-mm. Maybe start with Geldem, uh, in terms of what um, I think maybe most people will have known you for, mm-hmm. from, and you know, just a, an introduction to yeah. the world of live.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, I guess, like you said, there are lots of different things that I'm I'm doing quite often. Although it's quite interesting because the last two weeks um, have marked the sort of beginning of doing my side thing, even though, garden, when I say side thing, it's side thing that was taking up full-time thing time, like hours, if that makes sense. So is that officially a side thing or a so full it's not, thing? But what I'm trying to say is that now it's officially a full thing and that... Oh. Yeah. And that the business has been taken to the next level. So we've got a team and we've got an office and we're in there every day. So now like...
0: Wait, that's only two weeks old?
1: Is in having everyone in all the time. Yeah, that's only maybe a month
0: now. Okay, think. great. Yeah.
1: Um, it's Before that, it was everyone juggling lots of different projects and jobs and things. So that's really nice. Um, and that has made so much of a difference in terms of like planning and just... Like, being able to feel sane, even though, like, life is still very hectic. It's it's hectic in a way which... It's hectic in a way which I don't feel as bad if, like, not everything is achieved that day because I know I'm going to be there the next day to finish whatever needs to be finished. But basically, it started as, um, like, a response to a lack of, I guess, representation or kind of a feeling of isolation when I was studying at Bristol. Um, so I was there for three years. The second year, I was just like, I can't take it anymore. Um, and decided that it was time to kind of create something and reach out to people and cultivate a community. Um, and I don't think when you start something, you have you have a vision for it. You know, you want it to be... You have an idea of what it is that you want it to be, which is, you know, a unique-focused thing, something that brings together lots of voices, people that look like me, but, you know, who have lots of different, like, uh, lived experience and opinions and thoughts on different things, but who have some sort of shared characteristics... And then it grows and it grows and it grows and it becomes, oh my God, it's a business and it's this and it's that. And okay, what do I have to do to get it to the next level? So we've been through that like investment process and like working more with brands. And now we're at a point where um, we have people on the ground, which is like scary because you have to make sure that everything happens that, to be able to have those people there. But it's also such a, um, a beautiful thing to be able to have everyone in a room together and ask questions rather than needing to I don't know send emails sporadically like at the at the very beginning of galden when I was working in um tv and um production hours are really crazy right so I'd just be lying to people and saying oh um <laughs> we can meet like maybe at like 7 p.m because I'm just like back to back with meetings but really I was like on a production either making tea or like just doing, just doing things that you, that you do on set. Is that lying, or is that just? It's, well, I mean, I wasn't booked up with meetings. I was like on set working, doing the job that was going to pay my bills. You just weren't available. Yeah, I wasn't available. But you know, you try and make it sound more glamorous than okay. it is. Um, but to be honest, the people that I was working for, a lot of them. I remember my director at the time, she'd kind of, she'd cover for me and say, you know, Liv's out doing a recce, but I'd be out doing a photo shoot or something. <laughs> so I had people that were, I don't want to get her in trouble. No, but I had people that were like, that were really kind and supportive. I was fortunate that they kind of knew what was happening. But that didn't mean that you didn't have to do the job that you were there to do. So it was, it was a real balancing act. Oh my God, and that leads to so much stress and like poor mental health and just like all of those things. So, so to get it to the point now is is good.
0: <laughs> rough timelines. Yeah. So when was that? Se- oh. Second year at, at, at Bristol.
1: Oh, so second year is when it started. What year is this? Uh, twenty fifteen. Okay. Oh no, sorry. It launched. No, the idea was second year. It launched third year, which is twenty fifteen, September twenty fifteen. Okay. Um, and then, so I did that final year. I was offered like a scholarship at SOAS to do gender and law, and also a place on Channel 4's production training thing. And like, didn't really decide until two days before they were both starting that I was gonna do the Channel 4 thing. So that would have been end of 2016, it would have been about a year later, so September. Did that for a year, then went and did some production for the BBC for like a few months, three months or something, maybe four months. <coughs> I managed to negotiate so that it was part time, which was good, really, really good, and not what they wanted initially, but fine. Uh, and then doing lots of like jobs, but modelling, bit of like audio producing, bit lots of writing, not lots of writing, but some writing. Um, the writing kind of slowed more and more. I'm kind of trying to get back into that. Uh, and then I was offered like a full time job in commissioning at a major broadcaster, which was like my dream job and like crazy pay for a 24 year old at the time. Um, but it was one of those like pivotal moments where I was like, if I take this, the Galdem's not going to grow. So I had to not take it, which was so scary. Um, I was like, this is never going to happen again. Like, There's no one that's 24 that's in commissioning. But anyway, um, and that's kind of like the goal, isn't it? To be able to like commission people to tell their stories, especially people who don't get to tell their stories. Um, but fortunately for me, uh, they were like, oh, you know, we understand you've got all this stuff going on. Let's find a way for you to like be here kind of remotely or sometimes on a, in a different position because obviously I couldn't take that one. So I did that for a bit um, up until maybe like two months ago. Meanwhile, like raising money, working on brand partnerships and like focusing on growing the business, which was like a world that I knew nothing about. So a lot of like learning, had a really good business advisor and I've got lots of great mentors. And then to get us to the stage now where we're kind of like where we're at.
0: So this feels a bit of a landmark then.
1: Yeah, definitely. I get so emotional, I'm like, oh my God. Do you have a party? We haven't had a party, but we like should have a little like office warming there's been no time <laughs> what shit <Got> to <laughs> no i'm gonna for a party. no i know and someone said that to me Add yesterday that
0: to do list oh my god i mean i'll just I mean, Im- forget yeah. about the fucking just do it yeah no i know i'm gonna
1: um i'm gonna just invite people maybe like on a friday and in, in a couple of weeks to come totally. to the office and just and have give them like half an hour notice have some drinks or whatever round ours. yeah vibes. yeah that will be cute because it is like a landmark moment for us definitely 100 definitely and coming back I'm going to add that to my notes
0: <laughs> phone's off <laughs>
1: to do my phone is off but uh, I can <laughs> okay, still make notes otherwise I'll forget you soon
0: um, yeah. whilst you make your notes <laughs> you're and I, we're big fans um, personally professionally you know, we had you guys downstairs for one of your parties and yeah, issue yeah, launches like, and two years ago
1: uh, it was issued two so yeah it would have been two years ago because four's coming out in about September a Lovely space.
0: Um you know, where yeah you know, from the inception at Bristol as yeah. a frustration yeah. uh, that this didn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Is there a is there a destination? Is there a goal? Is yeah. there a point that you'll be like, I'm out? <laughs> you, know, but, you know, because you're talking yeah. about some yeah. very important you yeah. know, points yeah. that you're know, a shifting generationally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, in terms of that, maybe it's less of a goal, more of a direction. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe just that purpose for A sure bit.
1: i mean like the kind of thing the thing that that is i didn't really explain as well when i said about when we started stuff i didn't say what it was that we were trying to do which is not great mission statement is to support to support the creative work of women of color and non-binary people of color right so we do that in lots of different ways we do that through our work with like brands brand partnerships events creative campaigns casting people for amazing things insight strategy um lots of different things but i think the aim of us for us is to continue to grow like obviously we've got our base in London for now but, like, a lot of our readers are based in the States as well. So, like, looking at how we expand that and also how we expand that outside of the West, how we, like, incorporate um, voices and stories that aren't just from those kind of demographics and backgrounds. I think that's so important. It's something that we've been talking about a lot this week. Um, I think that the ability to do that comes with, like, greater infrastructure. So this year it's really about solidifying what we have here on the ground and mm-hmm. getting a clear vision. But always to, to, to be increasing our output and to be, like, giving back and um just championing new and amazing talent and telling and and providing a space for people to tell their stories in a way which is like not happening elsewhere and I think there's a lot of work that has to be done to get to bring the kind of wider media landscape up to where it should be and that's something that is like a kind of after effect of years of like subjugation and like um racism and structural inequalities so i don't think that's something that's going to like be fixed within my lifetime um definitely not but hopefully we can we can kind of play a role in shifting that narrative and i think we've done some like pretty landmark things which i'm really proud of like taking over the guardian um Mm -hmm. they've never done a like collaboration before and i'm pretty sure that's the first time that a major publication had all of their content produced and written by people from our demographic um yeah I wanted to ask you about
0: that mm. how did that come about
1: mm. so it's really funny actually Charlie who's our <coughs> who is the best person ever and also our head of editorial she's an amazing like writer she's such a brilliant writer so she um, lots of actually lots of our uh, people that have been through galdam or edited or whatever um, and I found out a lot of writers actually that are amazing also started off interning at the guardian like i think rennie edo lodge did and candy's carty williams who um whose book queenie has just come out is amazing um and has been reviewed highly by the likes of oprah but anyway all these amazing people have started their careers there and charlie was the same so she did like some sort of scheme that they had mm-hmm. um and i think she was mentored by ruth who is the deputy editor of the guardian ruth Louie, who's um great um and we they kind of said I don't. I think it was them. Yeah, that said like, let's have a meeting. Let's just catch up and see like what you guys are up to. So we sat down in a little cafe near their office in King's Cross and kind of we're talking, talking, talking about you know how we could partner on something. First we kind of spoke about like could we partner on some sort of list so we recognized people and we thought nah, that's a bit like, obvious. Like what is it that we could do? And Charlie kind of made a joke and said well we should just take it over. And then Ruth was like that's not a bad idea. We like that idea. We love that idea. And we were like. Yeah, it's a great idea. Oh, okay. Um, if you don't ask. You don't yeah. a- No, seriously, though, like, I'm the cheekiest person now. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good um, example of why it's good to just ask. The worst someone can say is no um, or laugh it off. But, yeah, anyway, so we then kind of had to build this proposal. I think it was, like, six months of back and forth, but we kind of came up with this master sheet of, like, all the amazing writers and people that we had within our networks and different features and stories that people could work on based on the kind of structure of the Guardian weekend paper. And eventually, we got to a place where it was like, yep, yeah, go ahead." We had a date for it, so me, Charlie, Misha, who is our first-person and opinions editor, um, spent some time editing on the ground with them, like for about two weeks, um, editing uh, lots of copy and, and like seeing how they work and them seeing how we uh, how we work, and also them realizing that we weren't as inexperienced as we as we thought. Like we actually were kind of doing the things that we should have been doing, and like similar to them, granted with a very different infrastructure behind us but the weekend team is not huge so I think it was a good indication of like what is possible right we've got smaller budgets but like what is possible um and and it was and it was amazing and um and I think you know one thing that they said was that they have now access and a pool to all this different talent that they didn't have before and who they've been working with since um which is brilliant and and I think it made them think about like talent on every level so not just people who are like the face not just putting like a Michaela Cole on the cover but like who's taking that photo who's doing the makeup for that shoot who's writing your crosswords and your puzzles and who's doing your illustrations and who's this that and the other and there's so many things that you might not think about right the stylists um and I think that was amazing for them and I think for us to see how like a major publication operates was amazing so I think we both it was it was like an exchange of information and it genuinely was like we were in there doing the editing and doing the work. It wasn't like, OK, we've got these ideas and suggestions and we curate it. It was, mm. it was, like, it was a really like in-depth and rigorous process where we were all across all the edits and talking and thinking and how should this work. Um, it wasn't a case of them saying, this is how we're going to do it. This is how, how we normally do it or anything like that at all. So it was like just um, an amazing experience. And Ruth and Melissa are both brilliant. And, yeah, it was a really, really positive experience, actually.
0: And the response
1: Oh, my God, crazy.
0: <laughs> um, like, what well, they're too quick at that response and the follow-up, you know. Response
1: and the follow-up. Um, so we, we we actually need to all, all get in a room again. We've had, like, a few follow-ups with the team. Um, and, and we need to plot some, some more amazing things. But in terms of the kind of response from our audience crazy. Like people were posting on social media like or messaging us being like, Guys, like I've gone to my local shop and I'm trying to get this and the guy saying that all these like women of colour have been coming in and like asking for this um for this guardian weekend insert and like we're just sold out and people are running around hackney and trying to find copies and i was just like yes remember i went to even though we got copies i, I woke up that morning and like ran around to all of the shops and, and, and like just bought out all the shops in the in the place that i lived in um and it was the same for all for everyone that was involved but it was like amazing to hear that this thing that we had created um as a publication who has had like like very little infrastructure and support or like financial like infrastructure I guess to begin with it's possible to to do something and take up space in that way was so powerful like I'm getting emotional just thinking about it now but I just think wow and I, I think we don't always take stock and really like sit and think oh my god what we've been doing we've been working hard and like and and look like look at the fruits of our labor this is phenomenal like and I I think when you do sit down and take stock you're like whoa oh my god this is actually important Mm. even though we know it's important I think in the day-to-day you can be so caught up with running around onto the next thing that you don't take it
0: in and you think print we talk about print for Mm -hmm. a minute in terms of it's
1: print dead (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, it's definitely not that. <laughs> that's the question.
1: Everyone's like, yeah, but print. And I'm like, listen. Well, no,
0: it's, that's the wrong question. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, to me, way more of the importance of print. Mm. In, you know, you talk about the weekend. Like, this is tangible. tangible. It's physical. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to my mm-hmm. new and buy this. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to belittle digital and mm-hmm. its importance, but it's mm-hmm. not just another blog post mm-hmm. or a thought leadership mm-hmm. piece. Just, and your magazine, mm-hmm. which you celebrate Mm. you know with parties Mm. at ours or others Mm. just a just a bit on your relationship with print
1: yeah interesting I mean I think so people people often ask like did you was was print always something that you wanted to do and I think from very early on I knew that um I wanted us to have a physical tangible thing that was really carefully themed and curated once a year I mean I love print. I love books like I like having a physical thing. I like the smell of like a new this book This is all or my magazine. love of books and yeah, magazines yeah. and
0: records. But yeah. Oh wow. <laughs>
1: um yeah. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, for those who can't see, I'm looking around the room and there is an amazing collection of books, some of which I'm like, are they colour coded? Kind of. Yes, yeah, some yeah, of them. Yeah, they are. Wow. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's so special. And I think when there are so many magazines and books and pages and front covers and things where you don't see people that look like you reflected on them, to have something which is created by us, like in which the, like, diversity is so rich, like, I think that is so powerful, my God. Like, I know the the, the most recent kind of um, September issues of, like, all the major publications, they, like, predominantly had, like, black women on the cover, and that's, like, whoa, that's amazing. That doesn't happen um, all of the time. Um, and I think it's a beautiful way to celebrate. And also, like, with our print, our print is something which is, like, it's high-quality everything is really thought about it's really clearly themed you're looking around do you have a copy I do I
0: was, I <laughs> do was looking I know I do I pulled it out earlier but I think someone's nabbed it but oh, no. you keep going I'm but
1: going, oh. I can get some more to you no, but, no no it's fine but um yeah so for us yeah that physical thing of like having something which is themed and special and that you can pass down that you can keep on your coffee table that people look at that is a conversation starter that you read that your housemate reads like um I think that's a magical thing like I think my little sister is in one of the first pages of the um, of the first print, and she must have been nine at the time. Um, and we interviewed like girls of colour about um, I can't it was it was girlhood about like growing up and what was important to them or their sisters. I can't even um, remember, but we had a lot of our little sisters in it. And I think that's amazing. Like that's beautiful. And like, how often does that happen in in um, you know more mainstream publications? So it's it's amazing and the quality of stories and the quality of images and our illustrators our writers so talented our editors so talented like so talented and some of the people that write for us it's the first time that they've ever written um but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be given the opportunity to write right because for me i wrote my first piece in galdem charlie had written a lot before but i wrote my first piece in Galdam, and granted i look back on it and i'm like cringe but i remember i i had pitched to, to so many other places and like nothing and now, obviously, they're hitting me up or whatever. But, um, but, but, you know, like, I think it's really important for us to have a platform, have a springboard. And so many of our writers go on to do, like, magical, wonderful, amazing things at bigger publications. It's not about just saying, you do stuff for us and us only. We want to see people grow. Like, that's the point of what we're doing.
0: Risk of sounding precocious. Mm. What is Gildan?
1: What is Gal Dem? Gal Dem. Um, I mean, ga-
0: it's a magazine, it's, it's a, pl- a magazine, it's company an agency. I, it. I mean, it's everything, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. community, yeah. it's a movement, it's.
1: Yes, I love it. I mean. It. <laughs> <laughs> I mean just lay it out. Yeah. Um, I mean, i describe it as a media company in which the, the, the aims and the values are to support the creative work of women of colour. So we do that in lots of different ways. So, like, sometimes we'll work with brands in the more traditional sense. They'll have products and things that they want to, like, spotlight. And we'll come up with really interesting, innovative, creative ways to speak to our audience in a way which is authentic, organic. And, you know, we're quite selective about who we work with. Another way is kind of in that creative agency space i guess even though it's like it's still galden branded but where we could create like a campaign for an organization so like ace and tate for example we built their autumn winter 18 collection campaign we did all the photography Mm -hmm. imagery video whatever for that and that launched across various stores um some of our relationships with brands are much more organic we like think of what our aims are their aims are and come up with some really interesting content and a lot of activations and events that are going to benefit our audience so an example of this is we um, put out that we're launching an event with Kickstarter um, at the end of this month. So so we're doing like a one-off kind of... Maybe it will not be one-off because hundreds of people within one day have applied. But it's basically like yeah, a session for... twenty. Yeah, whoa. For 25 to 30 um, people from our community who like might have an idea, but they don't know how to activate it or to reach people or to raise money for it. I was not expecting that many people to want to get involved, but so many people do. And we've got people of color who have successfully built campaigns through kickstarter so like the cash and um to kind of share their stories and to cater the session specifically to what it is that the people need so they can actually develop tangible practical Mm -hmm. kind of skills so like our community is obviously so important for us and online is important because that's how we get our numbers and we reach people and like we can also respond to what's happening in real time so that's amazing and it's like a it's 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 an easy quick way to connect but also like those physical events are so integral to what it is that we're doing Mm. um you know like our community is at the heart fundamentally of everything that we do like that's why we do it
0: Mm. of your community Mm. give me some numbers numbers in terms of people's you know how many where
1: um so like majority of our base just to
0: get like a scale of the you know the girl dem, yeah crew
1: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, analytics in terms of gender, it's quite like binary in terms of what is reported. But it's about 70, 30 um, men, women split. Um, It's about 60 percent UK and then 20 something percent based in the States. And then I think Australia, Germany, France are other big ones for us as well. Um, We have I'm trying to think of like what our social media is at the moment maybe like 140,000 followers across like Instagram and Twitter and stuff. Um, but we, the good thing about us is that like we've not ever done any marketing. So like that's something that we're going to be looking into to grow our channels. It's been like 100% organic, which is like really great for us. Um, but next step is growing those numbers. Um, we get like hundreds of thousands of people to the site every month, like unique um, users. Another thing that's really nice is that a lot of our audience is kind of like Growing up with us, which you can see, like, when you look through the stats, which also means we've got to make sure that we, like, continuously are speaking to younger people, but it's quite nice, and then, like, a lot of our readers are returned, we've got, like, super low bounce mm. rates in comparison to other websites, so it's clear that people feel, like, this personal identity kind of, like, whatever connection which makes sense because of the kind of content that we do um but we've got loyal we've got loyal a loyal readership which i think is a really great thing and it's nice as well at our events when you see yeah new people come to stuff but also you you see like some familiar faces that might come to things um and that's a really nice thing and i think it's nice for them to know like clearly who we are um and and that we're like super accessible and that we're here for them um within reason (laughs) you know so so I think that's that's a really nice thing about having that like physical like presence as well um but yeah I mean in the last four weeks we've been like looking at kind of our marketing plan and like how we're going to grow all of that stuff we've got like Shanice who has been doing social media for like years but we've got her actually full time doing it now so that's like changed the game like our everything is looking, like, uniform, and, like, people are responding really well, our engagement levels are up, like, it's good. Having people on the ground is really, really good. <laughs> Makes such a difference.
0: So how does that make you feel? Mm. In terms of? You know, being a boss.
1: Oh, my God. I was so scared of, like, you know, being, being, quote, unquote, being, a boss.
0: Being responsible.
1: Um Do you know what is really good? And, like, what Marielle, who heads up our branded content, reminded me is that, like, I think, I think like, sometimes starting something like it can feel like quite like a lonely process even though you have like a lot of people around you um because you're like in terms of like growing the business and getting it to the next steps where everyone could be there because obviously the team they've been dedicated doing it from day dot a lot of them but like you feel like you like I mean you not you feel and you also do you have this innate pressure to like make things work right which is like terrifying and daunting and I started to get panic attacks and it was just like a lot I was I put myself under a lot of pressure as well but like I know that that pressure was kind of was necessary to like get it to where I need to get to. I was like, it has to happen now. If it doesn't, I'm gonna die. Um, not great. But then now like having like um, all of the editorial team in Tara and I, everyone in like doing their doing their stuff in like a formalized way in terms of like actually physically being there and being able to wave and smile and have conversations. But also like having Charlie as a head of editorial and Mariel um, covering brand work. Like Mariel keeps like she's reminded me that like the the pressure for, for this thing to be like profitable and successful is not solely on you like we are all like we're here to support and like and to make sure that that happens um and i think that is so reassuring and i know like i think before i'd be like really scared to like have a take a break or like not look at emails for a day so for four years i've looked at my emails like every single day right like whether i'm on holiday or whatever because i'm like if i don't check something like the world's going to end or like we're going to miss out on a partnership or an opportunity whereas now I'm like okay cool like well when Maz is on holiday I will be there and when I'm on holiday like Maz will be there like we'll see what actually happens if I like completely log off on holiday I'm going to try but like that's a beautiful thing because there's like an, a formal system and procedure in place and I think when you're doing something which takes up a lot of time but it's kind of like people refer to it as like your side hustle like a lot of people that I know that are organising in that way, like it's really hard to switch off because it's like you don't want to miss out on opportunities and like you feel like this deep pressure to make it happen. Pressure that comes from loving it, trust me, like you don't you don't do you don't work like seven days a week for four years if you don't love something. Um maybe you do, but why would you? Um but yeah, this is this is like oh, I can't describe like my girlfriend was saying, she's like, you know you're like, you're coming home, like, smiling every day now. And I'm like, yeah, it's because there's, like, shit in place. Like, this is so good. Like, I'm happy. Like, yes, this is so nice. Like, we're in a beautiful office it's light, it's bright, it's airy, everyone's there, like, everyone knows what they're doing, like, everyone can communicate with each other in an open setting, like, oh my god, it's so good, and maybe those are things that people that are working within a structure, like, take for granted, like, having holiday, like, oh my god, bank holiday, I'm gonna take a bank holiday, (laughs) like, what? Literally, Charlie was saying, like, she's never, like, she's been freelancing for so long she's never had a bank holiday as a bank holiday and this friday and monday like what we don't have to come in and like what like it's cool we don't have to do stuff we all still have external things that we're doing but but like there's some infrastructure there like you get your little 28 days or whatever it is and you know that that's fine so so it's it's nice and this must sound super basic i'm like grinning from ear to ear you're like yeah holiday yeah yeah um but yeah, it's it's nice. It makes such a difference. It really
0: does. It really does. It feels good then.
1: Oh my God, like so good.
0: I'm so, singing. <laughs> I can see you're beaming as well. Um, you mentioned investment. Did you mm. take investment? Yeah, we did. We did, yeah. How was that experience?
1: Um, interesting. Just so,
0: high level, not necessarily details, but just in terms
1: of... I won't going into the absolutely nitty but I'm happy to share what the experience was like. So, um... um So actually, Pip, who works in here, she recommended someone great to kind of work with who knows. Pip is
0: your biggest fan, by the way.
1: (laughs) Pip is so full of life and energy. (laughs) Whenever I see her, I'm like, "Whoa, I'm awake!" (laughs) Um, Yeah, Pip is like the. We get that every
0: day. Do you? Wow! She's, she just
1: comes in and she's like, "Guys, today is going to be a good oh, day."
0: Oh, I'm in the kitchen and I like I know if Pips in the building. Because
1: the laugh is like, it's, Marielle in our office has a laugh like that, and it makes me so happy. Like she laughs, <laughs> like with her chest,
0: and it's so good. It's infectious. Yeah, it's You can hear her when she's in a meeting room. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Fills the building. It's yeah, you'll like,
1: never forget. We love yeah. our Pips. Never forget someone with a with a solid laugh. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, so finding someone who, um, could kind of take me through the steps of like what would need to happen without doing it for us, but like teaching me what had to happen to get to those uh, places. So like, oh, investment deck and oh, like, like making these networks oh my god coffee with so many people and like meeting up with so many people sometimes people who are like rude and then you're like actually like this is not the kind of person that i would want to invest in my company um there's one guy actually who was like yeah yeah i want to invest but like i think he just wanted like a pipeline into the culture and i was like absolutely not like this makes me feel really uncomfortable um but so finding the right people it's hard like it's not easy and we know that like i don't know if it's one percent of like women-led things get like vc funding but like that's women i'm like for a black woman or a woman of color i'm sure it's like point i don't know like two percent or something grim um so yeah interesting difficult world i did like a f- I did one pitch day like in front of like loads of investors and i was like so scared and that morning like everything that could go wrong went wrong like I was like I'm gonna get a cab and like I'm gonna like go through like what I have to say I don't want to be underground and feel like claustrophobic and then like there was so much traffic and I had to like get out and like sprint and was like sweating by the time I got to the pitch like and Marielle was there waiting I was like I'm not like, on the phone to her like running she's like it's fine it's fine that like, they haven't started yet but that was like tragic um other other experiences pitch, were better go it was actually people loved it (laughs) and like there were other people getting ripped apart so I was like this is good this is not bad um but interesting and I think a lot of these networks are super like secretive and stuff like one of our investors actually who's like an amazing um author and just like idol one of my idols um was saying um she was like why don't you just like put it on like social media and that you're and I was like because like I've been told that like invest they want to feel like it's a really like secret club that they're involved in, and she's just like, what? And I was like, yeah, I know, but these are all these rules that like people are telling me that we have to adhere to. Um, but but generally the process has been good. Like one of our like the kind of like main well yeah one of the investors that we've got is like um, they're called Backstage Capital, um, and it's headed up by like a gay black woman in the states. Um, called Arlen, whose story and journey is, like, really incredible. And so to get, to get like, to have two of our, like, investors be, like, headed up by these amazing queer black women was, like, really, really powerful. Um, And then we've got some other brilliant non-black women investors as well. Um, But, yeah, interesting process. Um, And I think I watched too much Dragon's Den, I think, because I thought, like, I think (laughs) at first I thought, like, oh, my God, like, people would be so, um, like, I'd be so... Because it kind of teaches you that like you're so lucky if someone wants to invest in your business, right? But really, it's like kind of like dating. Like you have to find the right people, and obviously, like it's an interesting climate. So like to find those few people could be quite tricky, right? Um, but that was <laughs> that was that was really interesting. And I think when um, the woman who was helping us was kind of like, no, you know, like you've, you you've, that person doesn't, you don't get on with that person. You think it's weird or you're unsure. Like don't do it because like. It's like a relationship that you're entering into. So I think that was really useful information. Um, But it's hard and it took like, I don't know, almost a year of like preparation, like to get to the point where everything was investment ready. And that meant not only like having your materials and like networks and stuff like that in place and like schmoozing and blah, 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 all of those kind of things, networking that we all hate. (laughs) Can be good, but it can also be awful. Um, But also like getting the company to a point where it was like, could be profitable or was profitable and was like we had enough like brand partnerships and stuff coming in like proof of concept right um that was like that was interesting and because we didn't have the formal infrastructure like it was quite like tiring um at times and it's i remember talking to shama Dean who um is the founder of one Nails and beauty stack and she was like you need to not do anything during that period because it is literally like a full-time job and i was like bah. I can't I was like I tried to do a bit less but also I had to like pay my rent so it was an interesting an interesting period but
0: um any tips
1: oh my god other
0: folks in a similar you know stage or try and speak
1: to other people that have been through it like um I've got some friends that run an app called tripping and like I went and I spoke to them about like how they had found things and then obviously like Sharma was like yeah come sit I'll like look through your deck and Tore it apart and told me what was wrong about it and what was good. And that was so useful. Um, with me, like, the biggest mentors and stuff that I have in my life are people who I, whose work I genuinely, like, love and loved. And the relationship started really organically. So, like, you don't have to do, like, force networking, but you can ask people who you, who you really do ad- admire. Mm-hmm. And often, like... Because people like to be flattered. <laughs> like, if you reach out and you say, like, I like this thing that you created, often people are quite open to, like, giving you a little bit of their, of their time, if they can, because a lot of these people are, like, super busy, right? Um, but that's useful, like, finding your network, doing, like, a lot of research, um, going to as many, like, events and things as you can. I reckon if you... If, uh, for women as well, like, I've seen, like, quite a few networks and kind of met up with quite a few people that run networks. Um, and I'm, I reckon if you, like, Googled, like, women founders day or something you'd probably find like London you'd probably find a few interesting things that maybe you could register to Mm -hmm. and like go and watch like the Albright has their pitch days every month which you can register to like attend you don't just have to register to pitch and it might just be useful to like see the kind of questions that people are asking Mm -hmm. um but yeah just loads of research and like you you need to have a it's not like a business plan in the traditional sense I feel like but like you need to have a clear sense of like where your revenue is going to come from and like just back up every assertion that you're making like you can't just say something for the sake of saying something and i feel like if you don't know the answer like just say i'll get back to you on that i'm gonna check it like because you can always try and memorize like every set every number everything but when it comes down to it like we have human brains and sometimes they fail us right so just say i'm gonna double check that i remember in the back in our backstage like in the first one of the interviews, I was like, there was one thing. Everything else was fine. And I was like, oh, my God, that's it. And everyone was like, you're being so dramatic. And then I just, like, sent a follow-up, being like, this is the thing. And it was fine. Like, we got it. um, But, yeah, I think, yeah. Asking people, don't don't try and, like, blag it if you don't know the answer. Um, and connecting with people that you genuinely, like, admire what they've done. And people are likely to be quite nice.
0: Good tips. Yeah. Extending that into... Rather than the raising money, but mm. I guess continually making money, mm. which mm. is you know a brand world.
1: Oh yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Just,
0: I, tell, talk to me about that. Yeah. In terms of how you, you uh, it's not about how you show up. We you know how you show up in style. But no, <laughs> you show up. Okay. You know. <laughs> in a, you know in a branded context, yeah, and yeah, an alignment of values Mm-mm. and your brands Mm-mm. that you would choose to work with Mm-mm. and you would choose not to work Mm-mm. with. For yeah,
1: people don't for, see that stuff
0: for you yeah. know, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe just, just touch on that a bit.
1: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, for us we you know we work with brands who like have maybe like supported us from the beginning or like brands who have a similar ethos young brands established brands brands that like are working towards like similar goals shared vision um and i think the biggest thing for us is that you know you go into these relationships because you want to have like a long-term relationship with these people right so it's not just like a high buy, we're tapping in and we're tapping out um that's not how we work um you know, so, so a lot of the people that we have worked with, we've worked with continuously again and again. Um, and when we do come up with ideas, it's, like, it's with that foresight of, you know, these are the things that we want to be doing in the future. And that s- serves us pretty well, because um, it's quite natural, it makes sense, right? Um, and also, you have to remember that we know our audience really well. Like we are our audience. <laughs> um, and like people like want to understand that audience. Um, and they will continue to need to understand that audience. Um, and there's power and there's value, like, within that. Um, and if we can, like, influence and, like, try and teach these people, like, how to do that in a way which feels genuine and not just, like, a fleeting thing. Or, mm-hmm. like, a thing which, like, is completely, like, tone deaf or misses the mark, I think. Um, yeah. There's, there's I mean, there's there's so much to be done. So we'll be in a job for a little while, I think.
0: Bringing it back mm. to, bringing it away from the brand world. Yeah. Bringing it back to your your childhood, mm. uh, your folks.
1: Yeah, my mum. I love
0: her. <laughs> your, your inception rather yeah. than your businesses. Yeah. Um, maybe just touch quickly on that, you know, mm. your childhood.
1: Yeah, I had a lovely childhood.
0: Um, my mum is
1: like the angel queen of my heart like i love her so much like it's really i don't know it's lame no it's not lame like it's good to say you love your mom but like every interview people like who inspired her my mom (laughs) my mom like seriously like confidence um she actually interestingly she spent like 10 years um running a company called head for business which taught young people based um around like Deptford and South London how to set up their own businesses um which is cool um but she also went to like film school um Uh, I think she was like in a similar time that like Gorinda Charter and stuff were at um, the National Film and Television School and she worked on some interesting stuff then she had me and then like you know things aren't set up in a way that if you have a child as a woman it's that easy to get back into work I think it's getting better in media but like it was not easy at the time uh yes a little me I I broke that she has she has no um regrets she says um because she wouldn't (laughs) you wouldn't say if she did um but yeah she's she's brilliant and she like i was raised like in a buddhist household where my mum's been practicing buddhism for like 30 years she's got my um auntie who's had twins. so i've got like these two mums which is good when you're doing good it's good when you're naughty when you're younger it's really bad when you run away from home and you're doing things you shouldn't be when was and then, that? Like, i think i was like oh like 15 at the time and it was like over a boy like it was so dramatic um like oh how long for oh it was like not long at all it's probably days or
0: something two hours
1: yeah no 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 i went and stayed at like one of my like best friends houses and then like someone told them where i was and they like came and they were just outside both of them looking at me like i was literally like i'm in so much trouble but like and then like my dad um my dad lives in jamaica now but he's like sweetest loveliest kindest gentlest guy like ever so sweet um, and my like those parents, my parents, I, they were married for like ten years, and they split up when I was like young. But um, they still have like so much like respect and love for each other. So I was like really lucky that I didn't have any like conflict in that in that way. Um, so that's really good. I was like an only child for a long time um, until I was twelve, and then my mum and my stepdad had my little sister, who's like sweet, rude, tall, sassy like, tells me how it is, like, takes no prisoners, (laughs) but she's, like, very smart, she reads, like, a lot of Roxane Gay, and I'm, like, who are you, age 13, she's, like, yeah, so I read um, Difficult Women, and I'm just, like, I'm, like, I don't, should you be reading Difficult Women, like, okay, but I'm glad that she, that she's, like, reading critical feminist literature at 13, right, Um. so she's amazing, had, like, a really difficult, difficult time in the last year and a half, in what, Had been like quite a blissful, like upbringing, quite a supportive, lovely. My grandma's like amazing as well. She's 84. Again, takes no prisoners, super smart, like super on it. Um, Can't wait to go and do some more like travelling with her. She's a worldly woman, Um, makes great food.
0: You go travelling with your grand?
1: So we all went to Thailand for like not last Christmas, it was Christmas before. My girlfriend, my nan, my auntie, uncle, cousin, sister, um, stepbrother lots of us and yeah she was she was there she was 83 at the time um great she's amazing i think next she wants to go to atlanta so just had one of her knees done so when that's healed we'll go to we'll go to atlanta but yeah had a difficult time um the last year and a half because my stepdad passed away so that's like was has been really really challenging and like crazy because we've never really had like any trauma like that Um, and grief is mad like and when you're busy and you're grieving like it's a weird thing and you don't always like make the time or space to process it Um, and then it catches up on you also I think we don't as a society like talk about death and grief enough it's something I've been thinking about quite a lot because I was just like I just the whole I mean it's overwhelming because you lose someone that you love right you're losing a like a parent essentially Um, and that's incredibly painful and to see my sister go through that my mum go through that it's really hard um but we're really strong and we've got like a tight unit so we're getting through it but um grief is mad grief is so mad i remember it's weird isn't it like i do a lot of public facing things and i think i just got to a point where i was like i'm just gonna say like exactly how i'm feeling and I, and and like i've been going through stress or like this is the thing that happened to me just so you know like if i'm not able to do things or always here that's what is going on um so yeah like generally really happy lovely childhood difficult things happening in my early my early 20s mid 20s um yeah and things that there are no there's no rule book for and sometimes it just hits you but i have a very i've got a great girlfriend and like a really good kind of support system and great friends and like um the people that i work with are amazing and we support each other so it's good like it's good but life is real do you know what i mean life is really real um And I'm sure this is just the beginning, early 20s, going through these difficult things. You're only 25. I'm 25, yeah.
0: (laughs) Just to remind the listeners (laughs) as to who we're chatting to, the context of life. (laughs) Um, Yeah, an achiever.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm like... I suppose my mum made me go out and work when I was, like, 14. Like, (laughs) this is her doing... Oh, you're
0: blaming your mum. Yeah,
1: I'm blaming her for my success, (laughs) like, because I'm not happy. But, um, yeah. Let's talk about your mum. My mum.
0: Yeah. Do do you? My 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 curiosity here is driven, you know, in terms of what makes people Mm. and what are those influences, Mm -hmm. and you know, from childhood and genetically, obviously, but also emotionally, Mm -hmm. and you know, that context and that support that's provided in those you know those early years, Mm. and it sounds like there is. Undoubted love. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, is was there an exact? You know, what's the question? Yeah. You know, did you always think this is what you're going to be doing? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Did you ever, you know, imagine your future was going to look like this? You know, wh- what was that? Mm. You know, it's, it's more than a support network. You know, this is parental. You know, it's not even guidance. Mm. It's just just awareness of mm-hmm. their kids mm. um you know wh- what was your what was your feeling on that in terms mm-hmm. of
1: my uh, mum's really free actually so it was never like you need to do this and become like a doctor or a lawyer there was no expectation of that uh, like I think my dad because I said I was going to go into law post uni and he was a bit like why are you not going into it? Into law. I thought we're gonna do law, and I'm like, no, Dad, I'm gonna do. What did you study? The media thing, politics, and then I was gonna. I got a full scholarship to go to SARS to do gender and law, which I turned down to do media and he was a bit like i thought you were gonna be a lawyer and i was like dad like this is gonna be good and then he saw me on the bbc once and he was like oh yeah my daughter's doing like bits um, and i think when you do like there's certain things that like parents can plug into it's like oh i und-, like radio four like cool like yeah that's an achievement do you know what i mean And um, whereas my mom was like you know you kind of decide my uncle as well because he's an academic he like he works for amnesty and like he specializes a lot in like torture and like conflict resolution and stuff, and he he was like, you know, because studying's really good, and I was like, yeah, but God, like you guys, I want to do what I want to do, and yeah, my mum and two were like, just kind of do what it is that you want to do, um, but yeah, no, there was no, there was no like, there was no clear expectation. My mum, my mum said that I was always really chatty and stuff, and like. She said that from the age of two, like in my pram, I'd just be like chatting and people would be like, where's that noise coming from? <laughs> She's like, this child in here and really confident. And apparently like when I was three and I like started nursery, this is like day one, mum takes me to nursery. Day two, I'm like, mum. Where,
0: where is this nursery?
1: Um, it, oh, my God. I grew up on um, a road, Coburg Road in, um, in South London. It's near Burgess Park. Okay. Um. So yeah, Coburg Road. So it must have been a nursery around there. And day two, I'm like, I'm like, Mum, like it was great that you took me yesterday, but I think I'm fine. Like I can manage. I can find my way today. And she's
0: like, What to walk to nursery? At
1: three, literally <laughs> at three, and she's like. And apparently my auntie, she gives. She tells me stories about like that with swimming when she's like taking me to my beginner's class. And I'm like, auntie, I'm fine. And she's like, no, like you can't actually swim yet. So like, just relax. So I think I was always like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Confident, but, like confident. I think my teacher said I was quite like a serious child as well. She's very like organized and serious. I've gotten less organized as time has gone on. But it's funny, there are these little like indicators, <laughs> maybe like the person that you're going to become, which was like, I, I can do these things. I can try these I things out. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. Like um, and she also says that there's like this Buddhist magazine called The Art of Living. I don't know if it's like I think it's a monthly thing. And my mum used to be involved in like the editorial side and she said she used to take me to the to the editorial meetings. I'd be sitting there like really attentively and she's like, I always thought you'd become a journalist. I was like, Did you really? Or <laughs> are you just saying that now? But either way, you never know. Um, I think I just I always I love people and I like speaking to people and I like um, telling people stories, which is why I like things like audio and I really like documentary. And now I'm like really interested in um, less like factual content, but I do love, like I love writing profiles. I love like interviewing people and like getting a sense of who they are and like spending time with people. Like I've been able to interview some incredible women recently. And that's like, that's like, that's, that's just such a wonderful thing to do on top of obviously like the logistics of running like a business, but those are really like nice kind of creative, purely creative mm-hmm. things to do. Um, but yeah, there was no there was no set idea. Like, I remember when I was about 18, I went and did one of these problematic, like, I'm going to go change the world and work in India for three months. And I'm just like, oh, why was that a thing that I did? Um, there's, like, some government scheme um, where they send, like, Brits to go and, like, do stuff that they don't know how to do because they don't speak the language or understand any of the cultural <laughs> relevance, right? You're like, mm, what's going on? Um, but I did that, and I remember, like that made me like really angry because I went and I was like why am I here I was like look at all these amazing people that are from like I was living in um Tamil Nadu and I was like look at all these amazing people my like Tamil was basic because I had like what two weeks training but anyway that made me like think about like development and the way that that works so kind of was natural that I went and did politics and sociology and I always spent like my summers like working for like NGOs so one summer I went and lived in Dublin for three months and I worked for an organisation called the Simon Community doing like policy research and like internal research and stuff for them like in different services that they run and then I spent like another one for three months working and again doing policy it was internal policy and like campaign research for an organisation called Women for Refugee Women um, and my best friend always says she's like because I was working from like 14 because my mum was like I got to a certain age my mum was like you, you pay for your phone bill you like sort this stuff out and I was like mum like oh but I guess it was a good thing because you learn
0: Wait, to have age? your
1: own money so 14 I think I got my first job waitressing I, is that legal? <laughs> maybe I don't know and then 15 16 yeah I was waitressing 16 I worked in Papa John's you know the pizza place yeah, yeah. yeah so I worked there in the and one my friends would always come and like wave and stuff and it would be awful then I worked at like a bunch of like bougie pubs. When I was at uni, I was um, a nanny and um, I worked at a burger restaurant as well. Lots of catering. Charlie, our head of editorial, we were talking about like our catering days because we did so much of that, like posh events for posh people where they'd like, don't look at you, which is always really fun. But my best friend like always jokes when I'm like... Do I deserve to be doing all of these amazing things? And like, oh my god, like stuff's happening. She's like, "Live, you. When we were like getting drunk in the summer, you were like working or like doing some like internship or like and like just organizing it yourself. Like, of course, like it's okay that things, nice things that have happening to you on top of the work. And I'm like, oh yeah, true. I guess I like I have been quite a proactive person, so it's fine. But you sometimes get that thing of imposter syndrome where you're like, oh, my God, do I really belong? I'm in this room full of all these people. And, like, you have to realise that this landscape needs you. But, like, because we're conditioned to, especially as black women, to be at the bottom of the pile, it's very hard to train your brain to, to think otherwise, even with the community and the support. I think when I was um, doing some work um, at the Beeb, I was like, oh, my God, like, is this really happening? Like, should I be here? Uh oh. but... Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. And like being in an office like Calderm, it makes you realise more and more that, yeah, this is all right. It's all right. This can be the new norm. Why not? You know?
0: (laughs) And if you don't do it yourself?
1: No one's going to do it for you. Basically. As,
0: as you've been doing uh, all your life, it sounds like, <laughs> from a two-year-old taking herself to I love that story. I've got a two-year-old. Do you? I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And oh. They're not taking themselves to <laughs> no. nursery. I don't
1: know who I thought My 5 year old oh.
0: taking herself to football. Oh, really? Um, yeah. She's, oh, she's great. good. Two that's girls. Good. Um, Keep them
1: playing football as well.
0: I mean, she's... Because girls she's, drop
1: off at about 14. We've been doing some research recently and...
0: Yeah, yeah. we have too. Yeah. Um... For one of our uh, one of our client brands, and it's yeah, it's twelve. I mean, it's around puberty. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, but it's also around a whole bunch of other social Mm-mm-mm. and yeah. um, peer pressure, uh, you know, points.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, just quickly on, again, your this childhood influence and your, you know, mum being Buddhist,
1: mm.
0: is that, you know which has a certain school and a, and a beautifully simple school in terms mm. of thinking and approach. Mm. Does that influence you? Is that, are you religious at all? Is oh, that, interesting. Yeah, um, I,
1: I try, so it's interesting, like, um, my mum never kind of, like, pressured me into, like, following the religion that she followed, which is a specific type of Buddhism called Nichiren Daishonin Buddhism. Um but it's something that I've seen like really help her and benefit her. My aunties Buddhist. I've got all these extended Buddhist aunties who are all amazing. My stepdad was Buddhist. Like I've been living it, breathing it, even if I had not been practicing it, right? So there've been periods like,
0: which means you subscribe to. I I,
1: the, I like I identify with a of lot it. of the like philosophy. I haven't like done a huge amount of like studying, and like a, a big part of it is studying. Like my mum studies a lot; she like lectures, like she she knows her stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've read like quite a lot of the introductory texts, which is you'd think at twenty five I would have gone like a lot deeper. But but I like I identify with all of those things, right? So I chanted a little bit this morning. I think, you know. I don't, sometimes I'll come to it in periods of stress and I want to like, I'm trying more to use it not as a like reactive measure when I'm like on the edge, but like as a proactive thing, as a like prevention, right? You know, like to give myself the tools, whether that's part of my like mental health and spiritual maintenance comes with exercise, fresh air, swimming, running, maybe yoga, like things that are gonna like make my body feel good and which in turn are gonna make my mind feel good. Also therapy. Like, I've just started seeing someone. So I think, yes, it's incredibly useful. There are, like, fundamental principles that I agree with. Um, it's not a, like, judgmental thing. Um, like, as a gay woman, it's not like <laughs> my existence is something which is, like, the antithesis to, like, to, to the practices of this specific faith. Um, and that's really important. Even with choosing who your therapist is, you're like, you want someone that's going to be, like friendly like there's all these things and also like gonna on some perspective as a black woman so probably a black woman and so there are all of these things that you have to think about but definitely buddhism has been an amazing and um, resource i think the most i've done it like in terms of consistently was probably when i was in india because i happened to like move into a house with a woman who practiced the exact same type of buddhism that my mum did and it was like obviously an amazing setting so we spent like every day like chanting together on this rooftop and it like it was just like the dream do you know what I mean the the place um so that was like that was one of the good things that came out of a very problematic uh trip um but yeah it's 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 a beautiful thing I love the community I love like what it stands for and I think also I think when you deal with something like grief when you lose someone like it's a period when you like you're really thinking about the world and these things and like death and life and all of that kind of stuff so I think to have something that you can connect with is like can only be beneficial. And I'm still I mean, I think I'm quite happy with um, this type of Buddhism that my mum has like that I've grown up with. But that's not to say that it might, you know, it might vary or it might change. But especially now, I think she's like, you know, I really do encourage you to chant and like because because I'll call my mum when I'm like on the verge of a panic attack or like even mid, I've called her like mid panic attack before. And she's like really had to. Like when I'm like literally just like unable to breathe and she's like, I need you to like be putting things in place like before this happens, right? So I'm trying. Mm.
0: Is that frequent?
1: Panics. Um, actually, since we've had this infrastructure, I swear, like not really. Like I, have, I haven't had a panic attack since since we've had this, since, since this part of my, because it's a big part of my being, right? It takes up all my thought all the time. I don't ever switch off um so no but uh, there was a period like May. well I don't know if it was towards the end of last year when I was having them quite frequently and it was my girlfriend who was like you know you're having a I was like I f- I'm because I, I felt like I was uh, I was gonna die and it was a new thing to me I'd never like it wasn't something that I'd experienced in the past um but it was obviously tied to stress like there was no doubt about it there was like another time my like my stress has manifested in different um ways like, and I can be such a worrier. I like, think the worst thing is going to happen and the world is going to end when it's not. But I remember studying at Bristol. At this point, I'm I'm now bald, but I had some hair, like I was growing my hair for a little bit. And I used to get like, I had a bald patch on the back of my head, like that, like my hair would just like thin. And then I went to the doctor and he was like, this is because of stress. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing my dissertation, Galdem, nannying, uh, working in a burger restaurant, society stuff, like organizing events and like whatever it was quite like intense so it made sense um and then he gave me breathing exercises to do, which i obviously didn't do because <laughs> i was stupid um and also just thought oh my god this is so much effort but like looking after yourself does actually take effort funnily enough uh but it's worth it um but yeah my girlfriend's also like really taught me about she said when i met her i like i i part of the reason I went to the doctor that time was because I was getting chronic migraines and like, I've kind of like slowed down with those, but like I would get chronic migraines, same spot, definitely stress induced again. And she was like, the first week that we were like dating, she was like, you had a headache like every day and you were just acting like it was normal. And I was just like, is she okay? Like, cause that's obviously not normal to like have a crippling migraine every day, but still just be like, I've got to get on with it. Right. Um, and she's, she's like very into like spiritual maintenance and upkeep and she, She's, like, definitely taught me a lot about, like, the value of, like, looking after myself. She can't do it for me. I have to do it. But in terms of having somewhere to just, like, hold a bit of a mirror up to yourself, which I think is what a relationship does, like, the good, the bad, the ugly. You see it very clearly. Um, That, I think, was really useful. And I definitely met her. Even though I met her at the time at which um, my stepdad was sick and dying. And then he he died maybe, like, six months into the relationship. Um, It was, like, it... She was obviously I feel like she was meant to like teach me something or meant to like she, she there was a reason why we were brought together at that moment, even though it seemed like the worst time to start a relationship. Um so yeah.
0: So what was the takeaway?
1: What's, I'm just rambling about No no like...
0: no, this is beautiful. What yeah, what's the lesson there? Mm. You know, look after the thyself.
1: If you don't look after you, like you can't do all this other external stuff. Like if there is, like no if, matter
0: how long the to do list is. No,
1: if live is like it crippled ain't with get fear. Done. No, literally, if you're crippled with fear, anxiety, stress, you're like not looking after yourself.
0: So, what point did you realize that?
1: Probably like sometime last year, because I was just like, you know. I, I just would, like, randomly, like, burst out in tears, like, all the time. And I was like, this is obviously not good. And, like, I obviously shouldn't be having panic attacks. And, like, obviously this stuff shouldn't be happening. But I just felt like I have to, like, go out into the world and, like, smile and really be, like, okay. Because I was doing a lot of talks. And, like, that was the thing that was happening for me, right?
0: On the covers of magazines.
1: Yeah, which is amazing. Um, which is amazing. But, but like, yeah. And, I mean, like, mostly when people... It's, like, interesting because I feel like this is the most I've probably spoken about, like, all of these, like like, personal things in, like, uh, in, in more than, like, a five-second snapshot interview, right? People want to know about the work. They don't always want to know about, like, what's going on for you. So, yeah, I don't know. That probably didn't give me that much time to think and process that because I was just like, yeah, work and garden, man. It's great and amazing. And, yeah, and we love it. And we love colour. Yeah. But, like, without being like, oh, how, how am I actually feeling? Um, But I also have a lot of, like, amazing friends who are in the industry, like, doing similar work that might, like, run or, like, work for, like, collectives and stuff. And I think more now we're having, like, these open and honest conversations about, like, the emotional labour and, like, different things that comes with it. Um, And it's important. But definitely it was last year and that's only because it got really bad. And I was just, like... I just... Everything felt, like, too much. Everything felt really daunting. Um, I don't know if people would have been able to tell... to tell or, or... or not or what. But there was a moment when I was like, "Some these people." Oh, I can't this girl who I really like, who um, is a part of a collective, she's like, "How are you?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, there's just so much to do, and I'm just like really like what over- and blah, blah blah." And I was just like, "I don't know, being really like self-indulgent and like, ah, oh, it's really hard, I'm really stressed." And she was like, "There's so much good stuff that's been going on." She's like, "Please just like enjoy it, please just like feel it, please be there for it." And I was like, "Oh shit, then like." yeah, like stuff is actually pretty good. Like, <laughs> like, wow, don't be so defeatist or like, so focus on the next thing that you don't feel that, feel what's going on. In in December, like I interviewed Roxanne Gay, who's like literary hero, like just dream person. And I was so scared and it went so well. And she was so kind and generous. And like, it was just a wonderful experience. And that evening that was like, just before Christmas and that evening I was like flying to Jamaica to like go and see my dad and I remember sitting on the plane and because I had nothing to do on the plane I like was thinking about oh my god I just interviewed my like literary hero and this year's been mad like actually insane like what the hell like have worked and connected with so many people and I remember I just like started sobbing like in a, like good tears they were like tears of like oh my god god like all of this amazing stuff is happened is happening for you but like it was like just weeping and like couldn't stop it I was like oh my god and like I'm not traveling enough with anyone is this person gonna think I'm not okay um, but yeah I mean to give yourself those moments to cry or smile or laugh or whatever and really take stuff in I think is so important um, and we've been cheering a lot in the office like when when good things happen and I think having everyone there is is that's why it's great mm. I would agree
0: <laughs> no that's I mean it's great to hear and there's a lot of parallels in uh i mean any business leader mm. boss role mm. you know is responsibility mm. right mm. and that's ultimately what it comes down to mm. and that manifests in a hundred different ways mm, mm, mm. and it's really the person which is mm. what i'm interested in mm. obviously your achievements mm. of course mm. but you know what's behind that yeah you know what's driving that and you know what are the frictions that are the result of that because we are human after all and you know sometimes we forget that yeah and yeah it's always good as it sounds which is opportune in your new milestone of having your space and your you know exist extended family Mm -hmm. whichever analogy you choose Mm -hmm. support network Mm -hmm you know that's all about sharing the load Mm -hmm. and you know sharing that responsibility to get forward yeah
1: you have to be you have to you have to you
0: you can't (laughs) I'm telling you I've been doing it for longer than you and you just it doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't work as no matter how motivated or confident or driven you can't Mm. I mean and that's just human Mm -hmm. um anyway yeah Two last questions. I'll go for it. Um what's the best way for someone to contact you?
1: Uh all of our emails are on the website very clearly listed. So.
0: Gardem.com.
1: Yeah, it's all there. Great. Yeah, so but don't send loads now.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: any particular format of request of email if they want to Um, i mean just
1: please try and email the right person about the right thing because we literally say like okay this is the person who deals with all our music editorial email them don't email me like press releases for music because like i can't help you hun i'm sorry yeah um you know yeah just read that properly and like we've got really specific guidelines about how you pitch and stuff again read those like don't send us a whole article send us like a pitch yeah and then people respond and um yeah um everything's all oh, we got faqs like we got it there like every question should be answered hit the website <laughs> hit the website please right. hit the website
0: and last question and don't de-
1: don't like if you can like try not to use social media to like especially if i don't like if we don't know each other yeah. to like ask about editorial requests and stuff for the site just use emails it's like it's impossible to get through
0: got it yeah email good email. Please. Uh, so, last question, and it doesn't have to be one person. Mm-mm. Who would you like to hear on the show?
1: Oh, Ooh, okay. Um, who have you had so far?
0: Are you allowed to? Well, you would be allowed to... many. <laughs> yes. F- ranging from Mark DeLang from Ace and Tate, Pippin Joan from Frame, Tobias okay. Pegg, Square Roots uh danielle repost oh, yeah a real mixture oh my god the new repost um cover is just it's gorgeous insane, right? my god we, yeah. they
1: arrived last week and we were all like oh, goals yeah um yeah beautiful really beautiful like i love i love like i think i love i've loved every like cover that they've done it's like really interesting really dynamic and i think we're thinking about how we mix up our design for like for future issues actually it's a good like good source of inspiration. That's not what you asked me. What you asked me was, um, <laughs> oh, who would I recommend? Oh my god, there are there are honestly so many people that I'm. You just said one person. I mean three. Okay, three. Okay, five. five three, five, one. Um, mm, mm. um, and this is it. Tends to be like people that have like spearheaded like something or like founded something maybe. Um. So oh, uh, there's amazing an amazing um like club night like space um called Pussy Palace which is run by like an amazing group um of people Uh, and they've created like a really safe space for people who um often feel like endangered unwelcome like harassed in other spaces um so like a queer friendly space a trans friendly space where they don't tolerate like homophobia transphobia racism, like any ism like it's you're not welcome there it's a space to be celebrated and to feel free um, so, yeah, I would really like to hear more because their story of how they how they started it is, like, a really interesting um, and really just, like, organic one. Um, and I think they do, like, so much work for the community and, like, yeah, a I'm lot like, of right. love goes into what they do, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, like, Nadine would be really cool to talk to. Um, yeah. Um, oh my God, there are just so many people that are doing, like, really cool stuff all the time. I'm just like, oh my god. Maybe that's a good starting point, right? Okay, let's Because I, I could go on. We know with those the list. guys. We yeah, fe-
0: yeah. We featured them when they first opened, but okay. I think it'll be good to revisit Pussy Palace, you know, a couple of years down the line, as yeah. to what you know.
1: Yeah, they're so thoughtful about. Also, you with what everything. they've achieved like, with like, everything, it's and yeah. it's
0: still, you know, still holding true.
1: Yeah, they're great.
0: Liv, thank you so much it's been fascinating <laughs> um and yeah I spoke a lot in it oh my god that's the point yeah okay. uh, <laughs> and looking forward to you know tracking your your future successes
1: oh thank you thank you for, thanks for having me this was like really nice i just felt oh, i'm just like what a nice thing to do on a monday <laughs> afternoon
0: just talk that's the idea
1: yeah i have no filter it's